Welcome to The Conversation. I'm Heil Russell. And I am Dustin Jackson. Dustin, I've got my hard cider right here. I, it's uh, it's blackberry flavored. I'm going back to that. Uh, it's, it's it's cider season and I, I got my cider, but I also am concerned about my health. So I've got a fruit smoothie here as well. And I'm not so concerned about my health, so I've added caffeine to my fruit smoothie. So I've got the best of two worlds in my hands right now to get me through this podcast. And that got me thinking about two worlds in general. Oh, yes, we're going to be wading into some controversial waters today, Dustin. I hope you brought your one piece. Oh, man. I haven't even lost my winter weight from three years ago. You think I'm going to fit in this one piece? I'll try. Uh, I was referring to the manga. Oh, no, I don't. I I haven't brought it. I left it at home. Oh, yeah. All all 100 some volumes. I don't know how long it's been running. But yeah, we're going to be discussing the Mushroom Kingdom. We're going to be discussing Donkey Kong Island. And we are going to be discussing how they relate to each other. Now, this was inspired by a few things that are kind of in the air right now. Firstly, and this is just almost a complete coincidence that this sprang up, because I had been thinking about this episode for a while, but there was a tweet by Davide Soliani the other day, the mastermind behind the Mario Plus Rabbids games, and... He tweeted something that was very relevant, and I think a lot of people missed it. I retweeted it, but I don't I don't think a lot of people saw it. And Mario Party, the original Mario Party, Mario Party 1, as some may call it, was released for the Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack service the other day. And this was the first time the original Mario Party has been commercially available since the N64 days. So this one you have not been able to get legally because of all of the uh, litigious legalities behind it. All of the the hand and palm and wrist injuries that sprang up as a result of Mario Party. There were broken bodies scattered worldwide after this game came out. I still have the star... On my right hand. I gotta hand. tell you. Yeah. I gotta tell you. I tried playing this the other day, and they have a warning right at the beginning that says, hey, don't use your palms. You, We don't want another one of these lawsuits. But when I... I was going through the minigame island for the first time in uh, over a decade. And boy, once I got to that tug-of-war minigame, I couldn't even beat it by doing that method. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have a Do you have an N sixty four controller for the Switch? One One of the replica controllers. I don't. I'm stuck with the Pro controller. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's one of those things where you have to use an N sixty four controller and you have to use the palm of your hand. What What I think I'm going <laughs> to do is test this out and get mechanics gloves. They are the like 
worker man blue collar gloves that you can get to avoid hand injury you know sturdy sturdy working gloves for the construction site or lifting heavy things what have you i'm gonna get some of that i'm gonna test out doing tug of war with my hand with my palm and see if I, I can do it wearing gloves without injuring yourself. But I was thinking you and the Ahido crew should stream the original Mario Party once you're done with Banjo-Kazooie because I, I think it would be a great fun to have a, I, I, I don't know, not, not a contest, but a, a challenge amongst the three to four of you if you could... Fill up a glass with the blood, the collective blood from your palms playing Mario Party 1. Like, you, you, can make a, you can make a line in the glass, like, if, if it gets to this point, we have won the night. But you all have to bleed into, <laughs> into the glass. I think it would be good fun. I, I would find that entertainment, my friend. And uh, Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sure we'd have a, a great time. <laughs> So anyway, that, that's this, <laughs> this is getting really off course. I just brought up <laughs> Mario Party 1 because that's relevant to this topic at hand. <laughs> at hand. See what I did there? Woo! Woo! Sorry, somebody on a sitcom just kissed and I, and I saw them <laughs> in the corner of my eye and I got excited. <laughs> and there's been a lot of general discussion since the Super Mario Brothers movie teaser about this topic it's in vogue again dustin people are chatting back and forth and i thought to myself i want in on that action i want a part of this discussion because this is a discussion i have been having since dk vine launch in 1999 and long before it since honestly yoshi's island this has been something i have been arguing about with friends and enemies alike. Man, that's crazy to think back that it, it's gone. It It's weird. I guess not weird, but it's interesting that it's been so long since they've kind of put their uh, foot in the sand. They drew a line in the sand, I meant to say, and said <laughs> that this is the circumstances of Mario's birth. I don't we don't care what you heard beforehand. <laughs> this is it. He was brought by a big stork. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, uh, 1995 was right around the time I was having sex education. And I was just like, that that's not right for two reasons. <laughs> that hasn't come up in the class yet. So, yes, we are discussing, I, I, I would say it's one of the most confusing, unclear, contradictory, and unresolved subjects in the entire Donkey Kong universe. But not just the Donkey Kong universe, the Mario universe. We're talking about the origins in-universe of Mario, how that then relates to Donkey Kong, and the spatial relationship <laughs> between Donkey Kong Island and the Mushroom Kingdom. Now, we're, we're going we're gonna to cross our I's and dot our T's here, Dustin. Yes, we're going to be very careful this episode because I want to be clear about something because I know a lot of you are going to be upset with this episode. A lot of you were upset with this episode <laughs> when I announced it because you know oh, no. how I tick. You know how I talk. You know how I go for it because we're known at DK Vine for being very opinionated about Donkey Kong canon and usually at the expense of what the Mario side of the fandom 
beliefs. Now, let me let me be clear about this episode, though. We are not going to be coming down on a clear side of the argument because I don't feel like this is one of those continuity conundrums that honestly has a clear, definitive, bedrock answer. Someone who's on one side of the debate or the other will be able to find plenty of evidence to support their one side, to support their argument. So nobody is changing anybody's minds here. This is not something that we can resolve on a podcast, let alone a podcast produced by DK Vine that's biased in favor of Donkey Kong or Rare. Obviously, I do have opinions on what works best as far as Donkey Kong lore goes. And perhaps more importantly to DK Vine's broader interest, how it relates to the rest of Rare's shared universe, which it shares with Donkey Kong. But a lot of you out there are a bit younger than me because I am aging. I am aging rapidly. I'm becoming the Donkey Kong daddy. And I can I can see you evaporating before my eyes. Don't worry. I may I may be evaporating, but I'm doing a very, very sexy way. Like I oh, will thank God. I will evaporate like it, it, it will just further chisel my good looks. And it, it won't be until the very end that I become skeletal. But I, I oh. will just get more handsome and I will get more sexy, dare I say erotically alluring. And uh, that's that's good. That's my favorite way you do it. <laughs> I I will age, but I will still have you all thirsting for me, the Donkey Kong Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my promise. That's my guarantee to you out there tonight. But a lot of you are younger than me. I have to face the facts and probably grew up with Donkey Kong as a Mario character in your mind, first and foremost. It's just the way it breaks down after a certain point in the release schedule. After, I mean, even before the buyout, let's be honest. Starting around 97, this is where it would become more frequent. But it was really 1999 that pushed it over the edge for a lot of people. And Donkey Kong just started showing up in games like Mario Party and Mario Golf and so on. And... A lot of how you think about what we're discussing on this episode probably stems from your age, first and foremost. I would say what you were exposed to first goes a long way towards becoming the definitive canon in your mind. And a lot of you grew up post-Yoshi's Island, pre-Mario Plus Rabbit's Kingdom Battle. So because of that, you're going to come into this thinking, what the hell is Heil talking about? What the hell is Dustin going along with here? Why is the <laughs> conversation saying that Donkey Kong Island is in a separate dimension from the Mushroom Kingdom? But the, the best way to think about this, I think, before, before we launch into it, would be that Mario and Donkey Kong are two different series, yes. But their bubbles kind of meet in the middle. Let, let's pretend like they're bubbles, Dustin. We got, okay. the, got the Mario bubble. It's pulsating. It's red. Uh, the Donkey Kong bubble. It's also red, but it's got some yellow in there, too. I guess Mario's oh. would have some white accents to it. You know, tell, tell them apart. And, uh, and, and they, they float in the air, and they kind of, like, meet. And, and then they kind of conjoin just in the middle a little bit. 
So where, where their bubbles meet in the middle, you know, that's 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 where they have their little crossovers. Donkey Kong appears in some Mario stuff and they have the Mario versus Donkey Kong series, whatever. But then also you got the side of Mario's bubble, the other side of Mario's bubble. And that's where the Yoshi and Wario bubbles kind of kind of meet up with the Mario bubble and they kind of can join. Meanwhile, on the side of Donkey Kong's bubble, oh, there's Banjo-Kazooie. Oh, there's Conker. And there's some others. We'll grab by the ghoulies action over there. So my point is that no matter what your understanding of the backstory of Mario and how it relates to Donkey Kong, no matter where you fall on the Mario, Donkey Kong, or Rare fandom divides, there's really no correct answer here. And really, the best answer is probably what suits your fandom the most. Nintendo has been contradictory contradictory about this they've said different things at different points in time word of god really means nothing here when word of god talks over itself so right they they play it very loosey-goosey yeah and and we'll get into the nitty-gritty of how they've played it but my, my point here is that yes we at dk vine we are firmly in that Donkey Kong bubble when we play where Banjo-Kazooie and Conker and everything else from Rare and Platonic sort of meets the Donkey Kong bubble. And we don't really go over in the Mario side of things that much. But you got to choose what you believe is true. What brings you the greatest joy. But this is fun to discuss. And if we can do this without emotion, without getting too... (laughs) Like, without getting too up our own asses as far as what we want to believe because that's when we start talking over each other but if we could just compare notes and be like that's funny it doesn't really line up but you know i i this this works for us the dku fandom that works for you this the super mario uh contingent and you know we'll just we'll just nod respectfully and uh go our separate ways this is me being reasonable dustin all right so <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. So that's what we're going to do on this episode. We're going to get into, as much as a Donkey Kong-related podcast can get into, the backstory of Mario and specifically how that then relates to the great ape. But before we do that, I do want to really quick plug our Patreon. Now look, look, I know times be tough, and it looks like there's no end to the tough times ahead and in fact our generation and younger may never exit the tough times so yeah heil is wearing one of those big barrels right now he doesn't have clothes anymore now to be fair that's just how i spend most friday nights (laughs) that's how you really get get your spirit worked up for the show yeah I, i i have a long weekend full of donkey kong and dku related shenanigans afoot so i've got to get in the spirit somehow so i'm doing my clobber cosplay tonight oh that's awesome you went with clobber i was thinking i was gonna say belcher oh no yeah well belcher would require me to be a giant dustin i'm not a giant oh oh i didn't know that yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've never actually met. So, anyway, for me to get on my little soapbox here, which is, you know, tough to stand on since I'm wearing a barrel, begging for money is is a little bit gauche, but it keeps the lights on at DK Vine. So if you do like what we do at DK Vine, if you appreciate the dedication we have to Donkey Kong and Rare and Platonic, the DKU, 
and you want to, you know, throw us a couple dollars a month, uh, then check out patreon.com forward slash DKVine. I'm not exaggerating when I plug this and I say it's the only reason the lights stay on. This site would not exist without our Patreon. It would have been shuttered a couple years ago, probably during the pandemic, honestly. So it's all thanks to you that I'm able to sit here and do this. And hey, the more patrons we get, the more I can do, the more I can devote my time to this and really make DK Vine the best little media empire it can be. And we, I can do more content. I, you know, can bring in more people. We, we can, uh, we can all have a good time the more patrons we get. So this is me just giving a shout out to the Patreon. And hey, I promise if I get super successful, I will never sell the site to Elon Musk. That is my guarantee to you. I will remain independent. All right. Wow. No, no billionaires are getting their hands on DK by. <laughs> Thankfully, I, I guess I'll stay. I'm not going to migrate from DK Vine back to Tumblr now. <laughs> Are people doing that? Going back to Tumblr? Yeah. I've seen a lot of people saying, hey, Tumblr is allowing porn again. Let's go back to Tumblr. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll bring it up with Cameron, uh, dust off the old <laughs> Tumblr. You know, I, I'll, I'll just say I'm staying on Twitter for the time being, but if because everybody's on Twitter and I have to stay on there for my brand and for DK Vine. But if there mm. if there's a great alternative that springs up, you know, and and everybody agrees this is where the place to be is, then hey, I'll see you there too. But anyway, DK Vine on Patreon. Thank you so much to all past, present, and future patrons. And really quick before we get into it, I do want to plug the Twitch channel again, DK Vines on Twitch. That is right, twitch.tv forward slash DK Vine. Dustin, you and I, we both stream every week on Twitch. We do our Sunday Sea of Thieves streams, which you're sometimes on, I'm always on. DK Vines Stream of Thieves. It's at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. GMT. And... Yeah, we if you if you've never gotten into Sea of Thieves because you don't like playing a shared world living game that gives you the heebie-jeebies, which believe me, I understand. How about watching some rare diehards play the game? And when I say rare diehards, I'm not talking about the people who are just into the game for PvP, like shooting people. We sit around. I'm Dustin. You you can back me up here. We sit around. We sail. We experience the adventures and the the lore of the game, but we also just sit around and we talk about bullshit, usually relating to the Donkey Kong universe. So it's kind of like a bonus episode of the conversation every week in some ways. It really is. And plus you get four hosts. (laughs) Now we don't talk over each other. A lot of times (laughs) one of us will fall into a, a cycle of despair and we'll stop talking, but so, so it doesn't become unwieldy. You usually yeah, because sometimes it's... we do silly voices and Heil loves it and claps. Yeah, I love it so much. No, usually what happens <laughs> is it's so early on a Sunday morning that somebody's hungover, somebody has diarrhea, Jeff. And, <laughs> and so it, it's spaced out, but it's 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 nice to just hang out with my friends in a rare game, and you can take part in that too. But then on Tuesdays, we got the Idaho crew. Dustin, that's you, buddy. 
That is me and a, and a few other people. So, you know, if you want to avoid hearing about the midterm elections for a little bit, you can you can go to twitch.tv forward slash DKVine this Tuesday and hang out with the Idaho crew. Dustin, what are you streaming currently? We're currently smack dab in the middle of Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, and we're having a great time with that, making vehicles, uh, exploring. Last stream, we spent over an hour on one challenge, so that's not really a highlight, but it is something you can look forward to. I thought DK Vine Done Slow was my show. Yeah, so did I. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, but the Idaho crew is at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Idaho time. It's weird I never really plug that. But anyway, we we got, yeah, a a great rotating lineup of you and uh, the rest of the crew doing deep. DKU games that sometimes, you know, you wouldn't see streamed. I like the variety. And sometimes you play things that are just sort of barely related to the DKU or aren't DKU at all, but have, you, can, you can find some sort of weird connection to justify streaming it, which is always fun. So yeah, check that out. And then Wednesdays, uh, Wednesday afternoons, uh, it, it's been a floating time recently, but I, I think I'm doing them at 2 p.m. Eastern 11 a.m. Pacific. Um, uh, what, what is that now? Uh, 7 p.m. GMT. All these time changes right now. I'm trying to keep track. You got DK Vine Done Slow, which is my solo stream where I play DKU games very, very slowly. And I'm just <laughs> wrapping up Banjo-Kazooie, uh, the N64 version of Banjo-Kazooie, which of course is on NSO Plus Expansion Pack. And... I just I just came back to it this last week and finally finished off Bottles bonus puzzles. You're a you're a tougher man than I, Hyle. I haven't done those in like over two decades. So I did. It was broken up across two streams. The first one, two hours long. I only got three puzzles done, and I tried to do the fourth, but I couldn't get it done. And I was broken. I was a husk. I was a heap. And then I hit my really bad chronic fatigue which is something i I battle um just by virtue of trying to trying to keep dk vine afloat and really being the only one you know financially invested in it and all my other real life responsibilities just breaking me um so i i battle chronic fatigue so i had to take a break streaming but i took like a month off between the bottles bonus puzzle streams and i thought there's no way like I my whatever rudimentary muscle memory I picked back up from doing it the first time would have atrophied. It it would have gone away. And then I discovered one weird trick where if I sort of paused the game by using the Nintendo Switch like safe state screen, like you you can't see the puzzles cuz everything becomes dark and blurred, but if I could do that, I gave my brain just enough of a break that I could then jump back in without getting overwhelmed or frazzled. And I knocked out these puzzles in an hour. The last four I did in one hour. And some of them, including the very last one, the wishy-washy banjo one, I did in one go. Damn. I know. Look who's Mr. Mister Puzzle over here. Well, and then I realized, I did some soul searching. I realized, well, you know, part of the 
reason I play so poorly when I stream is I'm trying to entertain. I'm focused on the stream. I'm only devoting about 60 to 70% of my brain power to actually playing the game. Uh, the other percentage goes to being a showman. And it was causing me to suck. And so I didn't even, <laughs> I, like, I, I streamed it, of course, but I, I didn't look at the chat. I just pretended like I was just babbling to myself. And I did it in an hour. I was pretty proud of myself. So I'm feeling good. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go fight Gruntilda and uh, maybe activate the stop and swap items, which I've never done on the N64 version. So I'm looking forward to, uh, to that. Yeah. So anyway, DK Vine done slow back in the saddle again. So check out twitch.tv forward slash DK Vine. Be sure you smash that subscribe button if you want. No, I'm tired of giving people an option. They have to do it. <laughs> well, I don't make the rules. Sorry, everyone. Yeah, I, you'll you'll like them. I hope. I, I I have been toiling away, and I've been too nice about it. I need to start making moves and being more aggressive in my expansion efforts. So yes, yeah, you, you have no choice. If you listen to the conversation, <laughs> you have to follow us on Twitch. Hey. We sometimes do live conversations on our Twitch channel, too. We just did the Halloween one. So if you just listen to the conversation, there's your end to the Twitch channel. Damn it. <laughs> Love that episode. Love that bony episode. Yeah, it was it was silly fun. The, the live episodes are a lot looser than these stuffy, sh- stuffed shirt, silver spooned pre-recorded episodes with our polish the hoity-toities yeah our pinky up in the air so (laughs) justin the mushroom kingdom donkey kong island and the multiverse it used to be so simple it used to be so so simple or at least so we thought oh boy I don't think I'm taking anybody for a ride here when I break it down. In the early licensed Mario media, typically what we would see in the West, Mario and Luigi were portrayed as being from the real world. Specifically, plumbers living in Brooklyn, New York City. Brooklyn, of course, is a borough of New York City, for those of you who don't. Is it is it a borough? Is is that right? Is that the right? Uh, is it pronounced Bureau? No, it's... I don't know. No, it's it not pronounced. Bureau. <laughs> I know that much, but no, it, 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 it's, a, it's a neighborhood within New York City. Oh, of I course- thought it was like a whole rabbits lived in. <laughs> oh, if only. Oh, uh, yeah, if only it was like a rabbit warren. Uh, no, but I think that back in the 80s when Super Mario Brothers became established, an established brand and IP, Brooklyn was considered the more rough and tumble part of New York, like a lot more blue collar. Hey, I'm from Brooklyn, you know, that kind of thing. It was that in the Bronx, right? But Yeah, I'm walking here. Yeah. Of course, Brooklyn today is known because of gentrification as a hipster enclave. So when would you imagine Mario being from Brooklyn? It has slightly different connotations today. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, they, they were living in Brooklyn, New York, and then they fell through a dimensional portal, usually in most media portrayed as a warp pipe, 
And they, they went to the Mushroom Kingdom, a Wonderland-like dimension, or maybe Oz, I, I don't know, but it's just filled to the brim with mushroom humanoids, and it itself existed as part of a larger mushroom world. Now, mushroom world is a term used for the greater land outside of the Mushroom Kingdom in Super Mario Bros. 3. Although I'm sure there will be some out there who will argue that it's not accurate to refer to everything that takes place in Mario's world as the Mushroom Mushroom World because the Mushroom World only referred to the lands in Super Mario Bros. 3, the the eight kingdoms in, in that game. However, I would argue that you're just getting stuck up your wiki hole and you're not really like focusing on logic that mushroom world would definitely include everything else seen in other mario games like uh sarasa land yoshi's island dinosaur land isle delfino all of the kingdoms in super mario odyssey of course minus things that are supposed to be other dimensions in and of themselves like subcon which is kind of another plane of existence a, a dream realm and then you know Areas out in space, like seen in the Galaxy games. So, you know, that that was the story presented to impressionable children, dumbasses like me, in the West, <laughs> via the Deke cartoons, the beloved Deke cartoons, Super Mario Bros. Oh, we Super all Show. love them. Remember Oogtar? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, the, the, the wonderful thing about the Deke cartoons is they kept continuity with each other as they kept going so you had the super mario brothers super show which was based on super mario brothers one and super mario brothers two and it had the live action segments with mario and luigi living in brooklyn like before the events of the super mario brothers games kind of like little prequels where they're in mario brothers plumbing they're having really stupid adventures in in their uh (laughs) plumbing offices it lo- the, the little basement, and uh, it, these were like before and after the cartoons would air. You would have Captain Lou as Mario walking around doing doing silly shtick in his basement, and then it'd be like, oh, now Elvira is showing up. Here's our special <laughs> guest star, Elvira, everyone. Here's Inspector Gadget. <laughs> it's a live-action Inspector Gadget, not played by Don Adams. It was... Uh, who, who was it Maurice LaMarche? I think it, I think it was Maurice LaMarche, yeah. But yeah, it, it it was I mean, it's not it wasn't Shakespeare, it was but it was enthralling to me the very young Nintendo fan who had an NES and loved the Super Mario Brothers games first and foremost on that console. And then of course that gave way to The Adventures of Super Mario Brothers 3 after Super Mario Brothers 3 came out. And then the Super Mario World cartoon, which I feel like was the shortest running of all three of them. It didn't have as many episodes, but it came out. Yeah, well, it was also partnered with um, Captain N, I believe. Like half the runtime was a Captain N episode and then half was Super Mario World. So even shorter. Yeah, which which was a shame because I didn't like Captain N as much. Captain, yeah. Captain N was a little bit hot garbage, even though I watched it. Because <laughs> when you're a kid, if it's on TV, you will watch it. You know, it doesn't really matter yeah. if you don't really like it. 
And I don't know, <laughs> Captain N just seemed off brand to me. Like I even all the characters were. Yeah, even as like somebody Mega Man. Yeah, even as somebody who didn't play Mega Man games really a whole lot, unless I was at a friend's house, I was like, that's not what Mega Man looks like. That's <laughs> why. Why? Why is Simon Belmont like a? A, a himbo <laughs> what's going on here <laughs> they should have had that version in smash ultimate uh, that should have been an alt right it would have been perfect love that game boy though <laughs> right game boy was a character <laughs> so anyway uh th- this this was the lore presented in the cartoons and a big part of the cartoon lore was mario and luigi want to get back home to brooklyn in fact in a couple episodes I, I know, like, they have the opportunity to return to Brooklyn, and for whatever reason, they have to pass pass it up or stay behind. And then eventually, they just have open travel between the dimensions because Princess Toadstool, a.k.a. Peach, really wants to go to a Millie Vanilli concert. And so, <laughs> and, and that, that's, that's part of the plot, is, like, they're going to Earth to a Millie Vanilli concert because because of whatever trans-dimensional exchange they have between the mushroom earth and earth millie vanilli has also taken the mushroom kingdom by storm here in the early 90s i know president george hw bush and first lady barbara bush were also part of the plot of one episode (laughs) oh my god yeah it was it, it was what it was you know i i wasn't as discerning as I would later get with the Donkey Kong Country cartoon, where I would be like, nope, this is stupid. Uh, partially <laughs> because the cartoon helped inform my opinion and impressions of Mario in, in a way that you know the games never really could because there wasn't that much lore presented via the games. Like, you would get the instruction manual, but you wouldn't really get a lot of dialogue or flavor within the games themselves. So... The cartoon really helped shore up your idea of what was happening in the games, which I I think made me a bigger Mario fan at the time. But you also had the original live-action Super Mario Brothers movie with Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo, and yeah, people hate it. People still hate it. I think I think it has developed a bit of a cult fandom that appreciate it for what it is. I certainly Mm -hmm. appreciate it for what it is as kind of this weird take on Mario, this adaptation that's filtered through this dystopian steampunk lens. I don't really know what they're going for to this day, but it's fascinating seeing everything reinterpreted as this, this weird like Elseworlds version of Mario. Right. Yeah. Um, The opinion I hear a lot is if you don't go in expecting it to be like, a one-to-one adaptation of Mario and his world, then you might enjoy it okay. Or maybe you'll enjoy it more. Maybe if you just uh, know what you're getting into. Like like you said, just like an alternate sort of version of Mario. Yeah, it was very heavily influenced by Super Mario World, which is the most recent big Mario game that came out before it. Uh, because while it did have the dimensional hopping aspect that the cartoons had, it, and, and Mario and Luigi lived in Brooklyn. Um, it changed the depiction of the Mushroom Kingdom into a place called Dino Hatton. <laughs> Dino Hatton. Not the, not the first time this episode we're going to be talking about swapping out 
aspects of New York City for fictional metropolises, it's going to come up quite a bit, people. Just just stick with us. But yeah, D- Dino Hatton drew from Dinosaur Land in Super Mario World than anything else in games prior to that. Like, they gave some lip service to the mushroom aspect. I think, like, they turned the king, who was um, Daisy's father in this. They just mashed up a bunch of different shit. But they turned the king into a fungus, and then the king would spread his spores across Dino Hatton to aid Mario and... Luigi in their quest and that was the mushroom the fungal aspect of of, of the character it's been years since I watched it but I, I like Toad was just a guy <laughs> weird. Yoshi was in it and he was a realistic looking raptor which was kind of cool but yeah I love that little Yoshi uh, there was it was it Iggy and Spike yeah that was, that was just uh, kind of like the um just just the stupid little sidekicks characters like it remind, reminds me of John Cryer's character in Superman 4 uh where he's like Lex Luthor's like nephew or something and he's just like this obnoxious teenage like hanger on to the the main villain but yeah the the goombas look like um <laughs> diseased phalluses and it was stupid but it was it was it's fun in its own way and my point being that even in that adaptation they had the aspect where these average joes from brooklyn cross the dimensional boundaries into a fantastical realm that is a parallel earth that has evolved differently from our own and the mario movie really played into that like this is actually a split reality from Earth that evolved differently. In this case, dinosaurs evolved into humanoids rather than mammals rising up. So, it it was interesting. But, likewise, in the Japanese-exclusive animated movie Super Mario Brothers, The Great Mission to Rescue Princess Peach, from 1986... Which predates the Super Show and everything else that we got here in the West. It didn't depict Mario and Luigi being from Brooklyn or even New York City necessarily. But it did suggest that the Mushroom Kingdom is in a faraway magical realm. It, mm. it's, it, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't seen it. I've only done research on it. But they still have to travel a long ways to get to the Mushroom Kingdom and it might be in a, like a, a pocket dimension. Uh, in fact, in that m- movie, it's only an hour long, so I you know exaggerate calling it a movie. But Mario and <laughs> Luigi aren't plumbers or carpenters or whatever; they own a grocery store. Wow, what a what a weird choice! Yeah, it really was. And then I think at the end of it, Bowser and the Koopas work at the grocery store. <laughs> Like, I don't know, like, yeah. we defeated you, so now you have to take our job that we don't want to do. <laughs> that was our arc for this movie. Yeah. I, and also, and also, Mario doesn't wind up with Peach. Peach, like, has a, a soulmate that he helps her get with, and he's all heartbroken, but he has to do the right thing and let her go. Oh. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> what, what is a- this? <laughs> 
What a strange choice. All of these are strange choices. It It's so weird because otherwise that movie has like a lot of the big elements. It's yeah. got Mario, Peach, Bowser, Luigi. But then they just throw in all this other weird off the wall shit. Yeah, there, there were other animated projects that were exclusive to Japan after that, but they were actually purposely based on Japanese folklore and fairy tales. So we can't really parse any canon intentions from them because they're not they're purposely just like we're gonna tell these japanese fairy tales with mario characters so you you really don't get anything out of it but anyway (laughs) um it's commonly argued that mario being from brooklyn or new york city never came from nintendo that this was just something invented by the licensees at studios like deke like how I argue against some of the aspects of the Dunk on Country cartoon series that I don't like because it didn't come from Rare. But, but, Dustin, 14 years after Yoshi's Island came out, Shigeru Miyamoto gave an interview with Popular Mechanics magazine, because of course he did. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, that's the magazine he would go to. <laughs> right. He probably has it on speed dial. <laughs> Sports Uh, Illustrated was next on the list. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Popular Mechanics, during the course of this interview, asked, when was it decided that Mario was a plumber? And Miyamoto-san said, when we first created Donkey Kong, I kind of looked at him as your average, everyday foolish guy. (laughs) The setting of that game was a construction site, so I kind of matched him with the setting of the game and decided in that game that he was a carpenter. And then when we made the original Mario Brothers game, that was the first game that had pipes in it. And the enemies would come out of the pipes into this dark area, and Mario would try to hit them and knock them out. Looking at the setting of that game, it had the feeling of an underground New York sewer system. And so with the pipes and the idea of it being an underground New York sewer system... I thought, what kind of guy would be there working on the pipes? A plumber. So rather <laughs> of than of course, say- it's also obvious. <laughs> so rather than saying Mario was a plumber, really, it was a matter of what's his role in the game and what's the setting of the game, and kind of occupation would put him in the setting to be doing what he's doing. So that was from Miyamoto in two thousand and nine, Dustin, saying that. Uh, the original Mario Brothers, yeah, took place in the New York City sewer system. Yeah, you know what I, my favorite part of this whole paragraph is? I like the idea that Mario had a job as a car- carpenter, realized it wasn't for him, and switched to plumbing. Yes, so, let's rewind a little bit. Now that we established that there is a kernel of truth to the new york city thing if not brooklyn brooklyn might just be an extrapolation invented by outside media i'll grant you that but new york it was definitely in the air for mario uh, at least from the outset of the mario brothers arcade game now the original donkey kong arcade game which of course introduced the character mario as Jumpman, introduced the character pauline as lady and introduced <laughs> donkey kong who would then age into the character we know and love as cranky kong it initially had an ambiguous location 
Hell, its plot is fairly ambiguous, stripping it of much in the way of context or setting. And to help really show that off, I have included a transcript for you, Dustin, of the official story of Donkey Kong as presented by Nintendo of America in that era. So I would like you to read this if you want. I'm not going to force you in anything. This isn't getting Twitch subscribers. But if you would like to read this for everyone, I would love for you to do Because I know you like to do silly voices. I know you like to ham it up on occasion, like Professor Chops <laughs> in Juicy Jungle. So why don't you have the spotlight on you right now? Oh, Heil, I would be honored to read this. <clears throat> Help! Help! cries the beautiful maiden as she is dragged up a labyrinth of structural beams by the ominous Donkey Kong. Snort! Snort! (laughs) Foreboding music warns of the eventual doom that awaits the poor girl, lest she somehow be miraculously rescued. But wait! Fear not, fair maiden! Little Mario the Carpenter is in hot (laughs) pursuit of you this very moment! So this has quote. Is this Mario saying this? Did he call himself Little Mario? Yeah, he doesn't have a very high impression of himself, does he? Oh, I I love it. This is a story about really Mario comes into his own. He's not Super Mario uh, yet. He's just Little Mario. <laughs> yeah, you know how it's Pokemon evolve. He starts as Little Mario, and then Mario, and then Super Mario at level thirty eight. Uh, Okay, let's continue this. Throwing fate to the wind, risking life and limb, or worse, little Mario (laughs) tries desperately to climb the mighty fortress of steel to save the lovely lady from the evil Mr. Kong. Little Mario must... uh, They call him this a lot. (laughs) Little Mario must dodge all manner of obstacles, fireballs, plummeting beams, and a barrage of exploding barrels fired at him by Donkey Kong. Amidst the beautiful girl's constant pleas for help, your challenge is to maneuver little Mario (laughs) up the steel structure while helping him to avoid the rapid-fire succession of hazards that come his way. Do... Are there plummeting beams in Donkey Kong? There's those spring things, you know. Yeah, I I never really considered those beams. Uh, As little Mario gallantly battles his way up the barriers, he is taunted and teased by Donkey Kong, who brazenly struts back and forth, beating his chest in joyful exuberance at the prospect of having the beautiful girl all to himself. Oh my god! It is your... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, really. It is your job to get little Mario to the top, for it is there and only there that he can send the mighty Donkey Kong to his mortal doom. Oh my god! (laughs) He wants to ease out for blood, this little Mario. Uh, Leaving little Mario and the beautiful girl to live happily ever after. Sigh, sigh. So if you want the most exciting, most fun-filled, most talked-about family video game on the market... Don't monkey around with anything but the original Donkey Kong. Wow. Uh, That was a lot. I think they did a lot of snort snort in the 80s, which would explain that story. (laughs) They just needed to get hyped about it. Also, was the sigh sigh coming from Mario and Polly's exuberant lovemaking? 
<laughs> yeah, they just repeatedly say the word sigh. Like, where does the sigh sigh come into it? Uh, oh my god. <laughs> that's, that's a weird little artifact, isn't it? Because it's so off-brand for everybody involved. Uh, even Pauline, now that she has, like, a character. But, like, everybody's just wrong in that <laughs> It's kind of hilarious to see. Like, I know I complain sometimes about how uniform and sterile the characters have gotten. Like, all the characters since the GameCube era where they standardized the looks and and everything of Mario and Donkey Kong cast members. But I kind of miss these Wild West days where just anything went. And I was like, whatever. Doesn't really (laughs) matter. They're just video game characters. They're not going to become iconic global icons that are going to have you know persevere for more than 40 years yeah you'll see t-shirts at your local walmart that say little mario on them yeah little mario with an arrow pointing down (laughs) so anyway not a lot of story there and i did actually reach out to dk vine staffer and also dk vine girder co editor-in-chief Gibbon and I asked her hey can you look this over and make sure there isn't anything from this era that would contradict what I'm about to say and she didn't find anything so I'm it's it's hard because there are so many ports and adaptations of the original Donkey Kong done by companies that aren't Nintendo that I'm sure that out there in the either in some coloring book somewhere or some Little, little little sticker book on the Saturday morning supercade or whatever. They they gave some backstory that would be applicable for this episode. But just like we're not really going to get into any of the Valiant comics from the early nineties with the Mario characters or any of the manga, we're we're, we're it, it would be too hard to cast that wide of a net and say like, well, in the uh, in the coloring book for the ColecoVision version of Donkey Kong, it actually says that Donkey Kong takes place in Toledo. You know, it, it we we I I it might say that somewhere, but I asked Gibbon, she doesn't think so. So we're just going to press on and say this was as official as the story got in the early '80s. I'm sure there right. are contradictions out there, but from Nintendo themselves, this is what. It was. Now, however, there was an interview on Nintendo.com that coincided with the release of the NES Classic, you know, the little mini NES, little cute baby, uh, with Shigeru Miyamoto yet again. And they asked him, and I I will take this one, Dustin, you didn't hesitate to make the hero a middle-aged guy with a mustache? Miyamoto said... To me, he isn't middle-aged. He's a young man. Maybe 24 or 26 years old, but not 25. Not 25. (laughs) 24 or 26. God help you if you think he's 25. (laughs) The story is about Mario's pet, Donkey Kong, kidnapping and escaping with his girlfriend. So he'd likely be a young man and unmarried. But people often (laughs) say he's older, with some saying he looks about 40 laughs 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 i i will say i do think 24 or 26 they they do strike me as a little too i always imagine mario as being like maybe early 30s that seems like a nicer 
a more believable ballpark. So I, I would say that the way Mario was typically depicted during this era, yeah, he looked like he was in his 40s. And of course, people aged a lot harder back then. So <laughs> he looks older now than than 40, like 40s art today. Like he he would he looks like he's in his early 50s in some of this artwork. But uh, I think with the fact that it's been 40 years and Mario's had hundreds of adventures since then. I'm okay saying he's in his early 20s in, in Donkey Kong just to allow for everything else to take place in a timeline. Like, Mario's right. probably in his 60s now, right? At least. <laughs> <laughs> which, which would explain that his mustache is a different color than the rest of his hair because he's dying at weird shades. But... At various times, Miyamoto has also claimed that he didn't intend Mario and Pauline, aka Lady, to be in a relationship at all. So this becomes the same sort of game that Star Wars fans do where they chase George Lucas quotes across the decades and get wildly different answers. And then they say, see, no, George Lucas said this, so that is canon. No, George Lucas said this 20 years later, so that's canon. And then they fight. But (laughs) you're going to get that with Miyamoto, especially because... I don't think Miyamoto's ever really cared that much about the lore. He cares about his characters. He cares about the games. He doesn't really care all that much about consistency. It's whatever works best for the game itself. And where he can play with things, he will. Like bringing back past elements and celebrating things that have happened. But it's never been a primary concern for the man, honestly. Right. And... The early associations with Mario and New York City, however, would seem to imply that both Donkey Kong and the game Wrecking Crew, which, of course, there was versus Wrecking Crew in the arcades before we got the classic Wrecking Crew for the NES. And I I think it's surmised by people that Wrecking Crew takes place between Donkey Kong and Mario Brothers, just because it seems like a nice place for fit in the timeline but it would imply that both donkey kong and wrecking crew take place in new york city as well with mario working an assortment of blue collar jobs carpenter demolitions man before settling on plumbing as a profession with his brother luigi which he was and did in mario brothers right he finally found his calling yeah so let's just say let's play along just to fully flesh out this early backstory as we understood it, at least outside of Japan, in the Americas, in Europe, in Australia, wherever Nintendo is being exported at the time. This is how we basically understood it. Which, I might add, this all seems something similar to what the Super Mario Brothers movie is doing if the way the trailer, the teaser trailer, was cut together is any indication, which it might not be, but the way it was cut together seems to definitely imply this is the direction they're going with the new movie. And again, the Super Mario Brothers movie will probably not be considered hard canon by Nintendo, but it will definitely inform people's impressions of what Mario canon is, just like the Super Show did for me, just like uh, the Japanese animations did for people in Japan, yeah, but at the end of this episode, I think we'll be able to parse how much Nintendo actually cares about the notion of canon right. in total. So, all right. So, so the way we we understood it, let's say prior to the nineties, 
Mario and Luigi are Italian, perhaps Italian-American. Because remember, Mario got that name because he was named after the Italian-American landlord for Nintendo of America's warehouse. I believe his name is Mario Sigali. Mario Sigal Sigali? I don't know. But yeah, Italian-American gentleman. He was their landlord. They named Mario after him. So he's living in New York City. We'll refrain from getting as specific as Brooklyn, but he's living somewhere in New York City with Pauline, who is Mario's special lady. And um, Donkey Kong is either Mario's pet or maybe an escaped zoo animal, depending on the telling and, and the source, who absconds with Pauline, takes her to the top of a construction site, maybe the same one that Mario's working on. They fight. They have a little scrap a, a little tussle, a little fisticuffs, and yada, yada, yada. Donkey Kong Jr. rescues his dad. Mario licks his wounds and gets a job with Foreman Spike as part of the wrecking crew. But he eventually becomes a plumber with his brother Luigi and investigates strange happenings in a New York City sewer system. Denizens of the Koopa Troop are coming through an interdimensional portal and they're crossing over into New York City. Mario and Luigi defeat the Koopa Troop. And then they, uh, they they go through the portal themselves. And through the course of the events, they find that they are in the Mushroom Kingdom. And that's where the events of the Super Mario Brothers games kick off. Mario oh, is in the Mushroom Kingdom, discovers that the princess has been kidnapped by the evil King Bowser Koopa. Ah! Yeah, sorry. Spoilers. <laughs> I hadn't played this game that came out so long ago. I, I, I know nothing about Mario. <laughs> I mean, what, what do you think about that, Dustin? Do you think that's a fair reading of this early canon? Yeah, I think it's totally fair. Everything about it just falls into place nicely. The one thing that really weirds me out is Donkey Kong being considered Mario's pet. I don't know how things are in Miyamoto's neck of the woods, but people don't typically keep gorillas as pets. It's just not something we do, especially carpenters. Like, your average run-of-the-mill, you know, nine-to-five carpenter, Joe Everyman, maybe, maybe has a beer at night, watches the game, and, uh, you know, feeds his 800-pound uh, gorilla. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mickey Mouse has, like, a dog. <laughs> Look, I mean, I, I think, despite what Miyamoto thought, you know, obviously at the same time in the 80s, there were interpretations where Donkey Kong is an escaped zoo animal. Um, how how official that was, I don't know, because that, that, those came from the weird ancillary sources, you know, who were reporting Donkey Kong or just talk, writing about Donkey Kong, but not actually in any position to dictate Donkey Kong canon to anybody, but... I think this would have been more or less, despite the parts we just contested, the uncontested reading of events f from around the mid-1980s to up until 1994 or even 1995. Because four different games came out from 1994 to 1995 that would, would begin to recontextualize the events from both Donkey Kong's perspective and then go back further and recontextualize the entirety of Mario's life. 
Man, that that's a lot of games to come out all around the same time. Yeah, this is just a barrage of everything you thought you knew is wrong. And <laughs> I say this, but I, I should preface this by saying that in 1992, we got Super Mario Land 2, six golden coins. And that threw a wrinkle into things with the introduction of Wario. And Wario was seemingly a rival of Mario since they were boys. Dustin, why don't you read this excerpt from the Super Mario Land 2 Six Golden Coins instruction manual? I would love to. So just looking at it, just skimming it, it seems like it's from Mario's perspective, but I'm not going to do the Mario voice. Well, you could do, because this was 1992 before Charles Martinet came in and did the ho-ho-hee-hee take on it. You could do the more gruff, Lou Albano or Bob Hoskins voice. Ooh, good idea. I'll do that. I'll go ahead and do that. <clears throat> I was away crusading against the mystery alien Tatanga in <laughs> Sarasaland. An evil creep took over my castle and put the people of Mario Land under his control with a magic spell. The intruder goes by the name of Wario. He has been jealous of my popularity ever since we were boys. <laughs> And has, <laughs> and has tried to steal my castle many times. It seems he has succeeded this time. Wario has scattered the six golden coins from my castle all over Mario Land. These golden coins are guarded by those under Wario's spell. Without these coins, we can't get into the castle to deal with Wario. We must collect the six coins, attack Wario in the castle, and save everybody. Can I just say that works so much better with that classic Mario voice? It's it's <laughs> it, it turns it into a sheer work of art, uh, just audible poetry. Yeah, uh, my favorite part is hearing that voice and having him say stuff like, "Oh yeah, I own a castle." Yeah, yeah. Which again, when I say <laughs> N- Nintendo doesn't really care that much about canon, it's like, when did Mario have a castle? Like, why Why is he living like a goddamn prince all of a sudden? Yeah, is he that vain? He needs a big old castle? He can't just live in his little house? So I say this throws a wrinkle into things because Wario is very much a creature of magic, in, in my opinion. Like, I know he's been depicted in numerous ways, but this early Wario, he's got the, the, the pointy elfin ears, um, like the little Rice crispy. Boys, he's got, uh, he's got, uh, I don't know, I can't like sparks fly from his fingertips or something early on. <laughs> that classic Wario staple. Um, I don't remember that, but okay. you could just be making up stuff about Wario for all I know. And I'm here saying, yup, uh-huh. I could be misremembering things. I, I seem, maybe because Wario's name to me, it made him sound like he was a warlock. Right, so I, I could see that. Yeah, he definitely definitely has some magic. Yeah, he's like Mario, but he's an upside down Mario. He's Wario, and he's declaring <laughs> war on Mario, and he's a warlock. Oh my god, it works on so many levels. That's what I thought when I was a kid. That's what I thought his name meant. Now, I I remember one of the Nintendo Power comics. I know I know you said we weren't going to get into the comics, but I just figured I'd throw if this. If you in remember, anyway. feel free. Yeah, there's uh there was a Mario Nintendo Power comic where oh, it's been so long since I've read it, but I remember them having a story where Mario and Wario were childhood rivals. Uh 
It was basically just kind of like this, where Wario was just a kid who was jealous of Mario. He was yeah. like, that Mario thinks he's so cool. I could be cool, too. <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, it, it, this is the first time where you're like, wait, but Mario grew up in Brooklyn. But it, it's kind of just so under the radar that it doesn't really become a big deal, right? Right. And, and I don't know. I just like the idea that Wario just became this creepy little stalker of Mario. Like, his name isn't even Wario. He adopted that. He adopted as a whole persona because he's a creepy stalker man with a fetish. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, I'll wear yellow overalls. <laughs> and I'll call myself Wario. Like, his his real name is, is maybe like... uh alabaster or something and uh (laughs) you know his name's not wario he he just he just adopted that name it it is a better name though (laughs) anyway uh, i just i just like like really parsing this backstory from super mario land 2 because it doesn't really come up anymore And, and wario is just this goofy goon treasure loving fiend this 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 rogue this rascal and i I just like there's this dark implication here (laughs) anyway anyway anyway, this is really beside the point i just wanted to put that out there that yes 1992 these notions started to break down but in a very understated way but it was not until 1994 that donkey kong for the game boy otherwise known as donkey kong 94 came out and this is where the conventionally understood backstory started to teeter just a bit. So Donkey Kong 94 is basically a long-form expanded retelling of the original arcade Donkey Kong, showing what happens after the game is done. And when I say showing what happens after the game is done, I mean showing that the adventure, showing that the battle between Mario and Donkey Kong did not end after those original four stages. And maybe this also allows a graceful segue into Donkey Kong Jr. somewhere in there as well. But the game starts off identical to the arcade Donkey Kong, but then it just keeps going. And it kind of kind of pans out to show that the setting of Donkey Kong is a place called Big City. Yeah, I know. Wow. It, it, it's it's not very descriptive, but they don't say New York City. Uh, they, they, they don't disconfirm it's New York City. It could be New York City because it's just called Big City. And last I checked, New York is a big city. It is pretty big when you think about it. it when you break up, break out the tape measure, it's pretty big. <laughs> now, big city, though, that will become much more important in just a little bit. So after big city, the game then heads into a temperate forest by the sea. A galleon, yes, there is a galleon as a world in Donkey Kong 94. Before Rare, before Rare released Donkey Kong Country, we were already dealing with fucking pirate ships in in Donkey Kong. Uh, Then you finally headed to the jungle, then a desert, then an airplane, naturally, uh, and an iceberg a rocky valley, and it finally ends on a massive tower with Donkey Kong's face on it. Wow. It would appear, given the nature of the chase and the locations Donkey Kong absconds Pauline to, 
it makes the location of Donkey Kong Arcade being New York City rather implausible. Because you, like, I, I could see you escape New York City and you head out into a forest, maybe in the the Catskills or, or maybe even as far as the Poconos, but... Then you're uh, then then you're on a pirate ship. Okay, could be off the Atlantic coast, sure. But then you're in the jungle. Well, okay, uh, maybe you go down to South America or, or Central America. But then then you're you've got pyramids, and it's like, well, that's Africa. Um, it, it, it. I mean, the once you're on the airplane, you can go anywhere, I guess. But it it just makes it feel like New York City, maybe not so much. Maybe not. Right. It's kind of hard to justify it segueing into all of these different places. Yeah. So, of course, later in 94, November 94 to be specific, Donkey Kong Country comes out. And this is really the game to shore up our understanding of Donkey Kong canon. This is the first game to give a canonical and elaborate backstory to Donkey Kong. Now, there would be brief attempts at giving the Kongs a home in outside media, like the aforementioned Captain N, which established Congo Land, which we talked a little bit about during our Treehouse episode, uh, our four-hour episode on Donkey Kong's various treehouses. But this was the first time in-games that it was established that Donkey Kong, who is now Cranky Kong, and Junior, who may be the current adult Donkey Kong, uh, that they've always resided on a place called Donkey Kong Island, with the Congo jungle uh, sort of uh, at the base of it being their home jungle. So what about Donkey Kong being Mario's pet or an escaped zoo animal? Well, it never comes up again. And I I think that's just kind of been quietly dusted uh, under the rug a little bit, like... Yeah, no. Cranky Kong was never like owned by Mario. That's weird cuz when when you when you create the character Cranky Kong, who is such a hilarious character, but his personality and his demeanor, it really suggests that he was never Mario's domestic pet. Yeah, it's it's one thing if your character is just like a mindless animal. It's another when it's a character ha- who has like a personality yeah. and thoughts. Especially when Rare started really fleshing out the story to Donkey Kong Island and then other studios like Payon would pick up the torch. And it was like, well, when he was young, Cranky Kong was sort of the guardian of Donkey Kong Island, sort of the... um the steward, the jungle hero, the village chieftain. There's different terminology for it, but it's all the same notion. And so there doesn't really allow any time for him to have been Mario's uh, live-in gorilla in the New York City (laughs) at, at any point in the past. So 1995's Donkey Kong Land came out less than a year after Donkey Kong Country in June of 95, and this introduced new areas to Donkey Kong Island, which later games, such as Donkey Konga 2, may have clarified to be offshore islets from the main island. But uh, this included Kremlantis, 
the Monkey Mountains, and also Big Ape City. Oh my goodness. Dustin, why don't you read the excerpt from the Donkey Kong Land Instruction Manual? The little blurb Rare wrote, or or somebody at Nintendo of America wrote, I don't know if Rare was writing their instruction manuals at the time, or if it was still Dan Alson or, or what, but the blurb from the Donkey Kong Land Instruction Manual in relation to Big Ape City. I would love to. Let's see here. Travel by Zeppelin to Donkey Kong's favorite stomping ground, Big City. Oh. The sight of that familiar skyline might bring back fond memories, but don't waste your time sightseeing when there are Kremlings around. So, yeah. The, uh, notice that it's called Big Ape City, but in the blurb, they just call it Big City. The exact same big city that was mentioned earlier in the show, Heil. In Donkey Kong 94, yeah. It, it was it was Paul Makachek taking what was in Donkey Kong 94 and saying, let me clarify how this fits into the canon. The, our, our, our newly minted Donkey Kong canon, canon by way of Rare, let's sort of marry it with what came before and try to make it work. So this was Rare providing context for what we saw last year with Donkey Kong 94, throwing everything on its head and suggesting that Big Ape City is either part of Donkey Kong Island or very close nearby. Now, the junior novel, Rumble in the Jungle, which we don't hold as canon, but it's just interesting to bring it up because it actually incorporates Big Ape City into its plot. Uh, they they travel to Big Ape City, and that says it's, I think, in the center of the island, which doesn't work at all, but it, it <laughs> says it's on Donkey Kong Island. And Donkey Konga 2 did show a city on an offshore islet from the Congo Beach, which it's right next to another offshore islet that's a big mountain range, and so we hold that to be uh, Big Ape City, the Monkey Mountains... And then, you know, presumably Kremlantis is sunk into the side there as well. But, yeah, if you also then sync it up with Donkey Kong 94, uh, well, then if if they start in Big Ape City and they go to a temperate forest, well, that could be the Monkey Mountains. And then they're on a galleon. Well, that could be anywhere, um, you know, just just off the coast of Donkey Kong Island or plenty of pirate ships about. And hey, you know, it also syncs up with Donkey Kong Land because Donkey Kong Land's first world was the Congo Jungle and Gangplank Galleon. So it's just kind of interesting how closely Donkey Kong Land did parallel Donkey Kong 94. And then, of course, you're you're at a desert, which, you know, there, there have been deserts on Donkey Kong Island, starting with Angry Aztec, well, we, if we squint, we could say maybe that's Donkey Kong Island or maybe that's uh, Northern Africa. I, I, I don't know. But then then they're in a jungle, which could very well be the Congo jungle. And my point is that a lot of this helps give greater context to Donkey Kong 94 if you are so inclined. Oh, I always am. <laughs> and this would completely upend the setting of Donkey Kong to be on Donkey Kong's home turf rather than Mario's. So so for uh more than a decade we had thought that 
you know, Donkey Kong took place in Mario's home city on a construction site he worked at. And all of a sudden now, oh no, it's Big Ape City. It's Donkey Kong City or, or his fellow apes city. And now it throws into question what the hell Mario and Pauline were doing there. And maybe making Cranky more of an innocent party. I mean, not completely innocent. He shouldn't be abducting people, but it, <laughs> it does. If he's the guardian of Donkey Kong Island and suddenly there are two humans just uh, bumbling about. I, th- I think it's a clever recontextualization of our understanding of Donkey Kong. But now from the more heroic, altruistic, more noble Donkey Kong characters' perspectives. So I, I thought that was an, a nice little save on Paul Makachek's part, bringing in Big City from Donkey Kong 94, firmly establishing this is what happened in the arcade game. And I also like that they threw in the ape to Big City because it's a nice play on the Big Apple, it's the Big Ape. Yeah, I I guess kind of. Uh, apple and ape are close enough, I guess. You, you want to take a big old bite out of both, so... <laughs> That's true. Gorillas are delicious. Yum, yum. Give me some. <laughs> so I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think what I'm saying is too controversial yet, Dustin. Uh, I, I think this this is all pretty much in the canon, in the text. It's, uh... I, I know a lot of people didn't play Donkey Kong Land, or at least a lot of people in 2022 didn't play Donkey Kong Land. I mean, it, it sold over a million copies back in the day, but it, it's it's kind of... If not lost media, then something people don't really readily seek out these days. So I think it, it would befuddle and stupefy a lot of younger fans that before New Donk City, uh, this had already been established. This was already in the canon where the Donkey Kong arcade game took place. Right, right. I agree. Uh, I was there. I was there in the Donkey Kong Land days. I... Yeah. I I I would proudly walk up to my friends on the schoolyard and say, "Yeah, that city in Donkey Kong Land, that's where the original Donkey Kong took place." Hmm. I I mean, it's it's made clear in the text that that is the implication as right. as well as tying it back to Big City in Donkey Kong 94. So, if we were to juggle these revelations, here is where the story begins to alter. Mario and Luigi are Italian, perhaps Italian in America living in New York City, but however, Mario and his girlfriend Pauline travel to Big Ape City off the coast of Donkey Kong Island, and they, in the course of their vacay, upset young Cranky Kong. Cranky teaches them a lesson and climbs to the top of a construction site. They fight, and then Mario drags young Cranky back to the Congo jungle to torture him in front of his son. Donkey Kong Jr. rescues his dad. A battered Mario returns to the States and gets a job with Foreman Spike as part of the Wrecking Crew, but eventually becomes a plumber and investigates strange happenings in a New York City sewer system. Denizens of the Koopa Troop are invading, and through the course of the adventure, Mario and Luigi cross over into the Mushroom Kingdom, where the events of the Super Mario Brothers games take place. Man, I'm I'm glad Mario grew out of uh, abusing gorillas. <laughs> that, that doesn't make for a very good video game protagonist. I, I think. know, like right out of the gate, like here's your big damn hero, everyone. <laughs> he hurts gorillas in front of their children. 
So I don't think Rare ever developed their shared universe while worrying about how Donkey Kong related to Mario or relating it back to the Mushroom Kingdom at all. I don't think they ever thought about it. Aside from Paul Magacek finding a way to tie in their new Donkey Kong games to the original arcade games, give it a little a, a sense of place. I don't think it ever worried them. When they decided to debut Banjo and Conker in Diddy Kong Racing and worked in a backstory about how Banjo and Conker were friends of Diddy, not once did they worry about if Spiral Mountain would take place in the Mushroom World or whatever, because it didn't matter. To them, Donkey Kong Island was part of their own archipelago and Mario was, at this point in time, a separate thing. Yeah, and and I'm of two minds about that. I feel like, like as a fan of uh, the DKU and the rare side of things, I I prefer that it's like this. Like Mario just has its own world, and it it would be crazy to try to consider that when thinking of all these other things you want to tie it into. Yeah, but at the same time, I'm kind of like. Well, if you're adapting uh, these characters from a Mario type, I, I guess it was fine since it's Donkey Kong. It's not necessarily like a Mario universe game, but I don't know. I feel like if it were me, I would try to keep Donkey Kong a little more connected at at the time. But... You know, aside from little cameos here and there and Super Mario Kart, Donkey Kong really wasn't that connected to Mario uh, yeah. at the time of Donkey Kong Country. They they were pretty divorced. And, and when Rare really gave Donkey Kong his own world, his own identity, his own language that was completely removed from Mario, it didn't feel weird or unnatural at the time. It just felt like, oh, finally, Donkey Kong has got some shine on him. It wasn't until later that things became a little bit more convoluted. So, anyway, uh, to to go back to the DKU really quick, because it really isn't a focus of this episode, but it's important to lay down this context. As Mm -hmm. the shared Rare Universe, the DKU, as it evolved, I think it was clear that there were greater connections to Earth. Our Earth, or, or at least a very close facsimile of it. Fictional locales on Earth, sure. Like, like all of these locations in rare games don't actually exist. Like, there is no pants land in in our <laughs> world. But don't say that. It's all inevitably framed as taking place in the unseen and undiscovered corners of the planet, an archipelago mostly untouched by humanity. Uh, you've got stories of an island filled with piñatas told by drunken sailors in Sea of Thieves. And that's how it's framed. It's like uh, legends and hearsay. But if you are uh, just enough of a malcontent or a misfit or a flagrant weirdo, you will be able to stumble across the rare archipelago and be enchanted by all of the denizens within. So <laughs> I, I think it works better for the rare side of things for to take place on earth or at least a close representation of earth and not the mushroom earth and all all of that because because it is like its own vibe entirely right and right i I think Mm -hmm. rare rare works best when rare's taking the mundane and making it slightly askew 
where Mario works best when it's like starting in the fantastical and maybe pulls in a bit of the mundane from there. So right, agreed. Yeah, I mean, you just got two different identities and languages here, and it was just weird that Donkey Kong, which does have a shared heritage with Mario, kind of got stuck in the middle here because, yeah, I mean, if, if it wasn't for Donkey Kong, sort of. Falling into dormancy, if Nintendo didn't really have any big ideas for Donkey Kong, uh, they're they're kicking around Super Donkey, what you know the the 1993 game that eventually gave way to Yoshi's Island when Rare came on board and took over Donkey Kong and the IP. Um, but you know, other than that, there weren't really any huge plans for Donkey Kong. He would show up in shit like Tetris, like oh, there's Donkey Kong in Tetris, but there there weren't any plans for him. And I think because of that, Rare was able to have such a radical reinvention that really did divorce it from Mario in a way that Wario and Yoshi, despite having their own franchises, have never been as divorced from Mario. Right. Uh, Speaking of Wario, one of my favorite things to think about is how uh, Wario was almost going to be Donkey Kong's original protagonist. (laughs) Uh, antagonist antagonist, i mean yeah i mean uh, as interesting and weird as that would have been i think it was the right call just to make donkey kong its own thing with its own characters Um, i i i I mean it it shows even then they're thinking well donkey kong has enticed the mario what if we give him this connection to this other character but it it was just the best call they could have made at the end of the day yeah it's allowed it's allowed donkey kong to really stay above Franchises like Yoshi and Wario, I, like that's no disrespect intended towards them, but Wario's been able to carve out a little bit of his own identity with the WarioWare series, but Yoshi is is really kind of just stuck in this being this like, oh yeah, they're Mario platformers without Mario, because yeah, right. You- I I talk to some friends about this all the time. Uh, Yoshi's really the only one that can't stand on it. I mean. The main villain's Bowser most of the time. And there's Shy Guys. And, and Shy I Yeah. Mean, I, I think it's kind of cool that Shy Guys have kind of been repurposed. This this baddie from Doki Doki Panic that was the, then became a Mario baddie by way of Super Mario Brothers 2 slash Super Mario USA. But I like that they then repurposed them to be, oh, the, the primary Yoshi baddie. Sure. Yeah, they're kind of the Goombas of Yoshi's Island. But that still means he can never really get out of Mario's shadow, where Donkey Kong is never, never. Donkey Kong doesn't have that problem, really. Yeah. Uh, like, like I said, the bubbles meet in the middle, but there's still like most of the bubble untouched by Mario and vice versa. So anyway, uh, that, that's just me talking about the DKU really quick. But I promise the DKU is not really a focus of this episode. Like, I, I'm not using banjo and conquer to justify why they should be considered separate dimensions that's just and also yeah got it got to put that out there right however all that being said a couple of months after donkey kong land really gave greater autonomy towards donkey kong and the idea of donkey kong's home and how that related to donkey kong's past Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island seemingly stripped the last vestiges of New York City from Mario's backstory as well, suggesting, not just suggesting, outright stating that he and Luigi were born on the Mushroom Earth, carried to their parents awaiting in the Mushroom Kingdom by a stork, and had a previously unknown adventure as babies 
on Yoshi's Island. And so from this point on, this was ground zero, Dustin. It was understood by Mario fandom that Mario and Luigi were simply native to the Mushroom Earth. And that there was no multiversal travel going on whatsoever. Yeah, I I adore Yoshi's Island. I think that game's wonderful, but boy, does it really... It, it really... I don't want to say it muddies things, but it, it closes the door on some things. It does, and whether or not you are endeared by this backstory compared to the New York backstory, I think it just depends on your age and how it strikes you. For me... I'll always say that I prefer the New York backstory, or at least Mario traveling to the Mushroom Kingdom as it's a different, like, Wonderland-type environment, because I do like the Stranger in a Strange Land story. I think it works best for Mario to be an everyman who is relatable to us, the human, the downtrodden. And I I think if you start saying, no, Mario's always been from the Mushroom Kingdom. He's from this fantastical place. And oh, yeah, he's a star child. (laughs) Then that sort of delves into the chosen one archetype, which I don't really care for. Like, I I like it in different contexts, but it's far less relatable as a backstory than what right. we initially were presented with for the first decade plus of Mario's existence. I totally agree. I also prefer the New York backstory for basically the exact same reasons. But I, man, I just love Yoshi's Island as a game. So it's hard to want it, to, it's hard to want to say, oh, Yoshi's Island, that's not how it happened. Yeah, I, I, so I, I'm, I'm very conflicted. Don't get me wrong, this isn't me knocking Yoshi's Island in in any way. I, I have a lot of oh, respect yeah. for Yoshi's Island, despite the intense rivalry fans of DKC2 seem to be forced to have with Yoshi's Island, being that they came out like two months, three months apart, and uh, there there is that just sense of... And of course, the, the fabricated Miyamoto quotes or whatever, and, and just the ingrained hostility between the two camps i think it's bullshit i think you can like both and admire both you can obviously have preferences for one or the other but definitely yeah but yeah the, the, me saying i prefer one backstory over the other isn't a knock on yoshi's island itself it's just saying like yoshi's island was the lore bomb that was kind of like the before and after uh, of mario fandom and so for an older fan like me Yoshi's Island was like, what the fuck are they doing? What 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 is this? No, Mario is from Brooklyn. Oh, he was Captain Lou hanging out in Mario Brothers plumbing. Elvira, consider consider Captain Lou and Elvira, please. <laughs> Elvira is integral to Mario's backstory. <laughs> Donkey Kong fans, though, uh, the the nascent Donkey Kong universe fans, Donkey Kong Country fans, how were we to find ourselves back then? We didn't really have to deal with the ramifications of this until the Donkey Kong Country-style Donkey Kong appeared in Mario Kart 64. And then we were like, hey, hey, wait a minute. Just so we're clear, Donkey Kong Island isn't part of the Mushroom Earth. Hey, don't don't lump us into your madness here, Mario. <laughs> now, Mario Party in 1999 actually provided us a brilliant way out. A brilliant 
explanation for how Donkey Kong could suddenly be interacting with Mario a great deal. And that is the warp pipe in Mushroom Village, which can deposit characters from Mushroom Village into the Congo jungle and from the Congo jungle into Mushroom Village and back again. It was perfect. It, it was, oh yeah, there there is this uh, einstein Rosen bridge between the two realms uh, and you can just pull up this warp pipe in the Congo jungle, DK's jungle adventure, specifically the board uh, that is Donkey Kong's in the original Mario party. You can just pull up this warp pipe, hop in and, uh, and then get deposited in mushroom village. And then the characters are in the mushroom kingdom. And it doesn't really matter if they're in the same dimension or not. They have instantaneous travel. So you can have the characters interacting to your heart's content and nothing gets messy nothing gets muddled when you want to factor in the backstory of mario visiting big ape city in the past and you know also factor in banjo kazooie and conquer on the donkey on side of things so it it was kind of a win-win and we all kind of breathed a sigh of relief uh doesn't really matter isn't isn't that crazy to think that such a huge uh perfect link in the story comes from a cameo game like Mario Party? No, especially those early cameo games, which felt like a much bigger deal than Uh later cameo games. When cameo games became trite and old hat, when they started coming out all the time, multiple games a year, they started to lose their luster. But Mario Party was only the second game to have the Donkey Kong Country style Donkey Kong in a Mario game. So it still felt like a big damn deal. And so everything kind of had this greater weight, this greater sense of importance to it. And so, yeah, things like the warp pipe in Mushroom Village really loomed large in a way that later cameo games really wouldn't be able to, you know, things like prosthetic golfing fingers notwithstanding. <laughs> I really have a lot of affection for the original Mario Party because of that damn warp pipe. So every time we would get a cameo game, I would have this little mental image of Donkey Kong traveling. He got a little suitcase and and he's going to the the warp pipe in the Congo jungle and it comes up from the ground. Like, I don't know how you activate it. You (laughs) wiggle your fingers over it or something. And he hops in and he goes down the pipe and he pops out in Mushroom Village and and maybe Toad greets them like hi Donkey Kong and <laughs> Donkey Kong's like ugh yeah yeah but Donkey whatever it it's a it's a weekend away or whatever and you know yeah it it's I like this visual since I just like the idea of Mario and his group of friends being like hey it's our friend Donkey Kong we don't get to see you every day thanks for coming by it's a friend from a far off place coming to visit for the weekend. What well, also works too because Donkey Kong is so removed from Mario just like aesthetically and mm-hmm. and so it kind of does feel like he is journeying into a different context entirely whenever he appears in these games. So to have it be a literal function in the universe, I think it's really cool. And it was a perfect yeah. explanation until uh, Yoshi's Island DS came out Ooh, and gave uh-oh. us gave us baby Donkey Kong and the concept of star children on top oh, of everything boy. else. 
Now, we're not going to get into who Baby Donkey Kong is because I realize this is still <laughs> contested heavily uh, a decade and and a half plus since it came out. Is Baby Donkey Kong a young Cranky Kong? Is Baby Donkey Kong a young modern Donkey Kong? It doesn't really matter as far as this episode goes. Eventually, we will sort out Yoshi's Island DS on the conversation. God help us. But the question is, is Baby Donkey Kong portrayed as existing within the Mushroom Earth? And actually, Dustin, we did talk a little bit about this on that infamous beloved four-hour treehouse episode from earlier this year. And there's nothing in the context of Yoshi's Island DS that says that baby Donkey Kong lives in the same Earth as Mario. If there is multiversal travel back and forth between the two realms, just like when they went to the Milli Vanilli concert on The the Adventures (laughs) of Super Mario Bros. 3... If there is multiversal travel, if Donkey Kong is prophesized to be a star child, they could just as easily travel to Donkey Kong Island to abduct baby Donkey Kong. That's true. That's very true. I hadn't considered that. (laughs) You haven't? (laughs) Not lately, no. Well, we see even in a little cutscene where they're taking baby Donkey Kong a jungle. So if that is the Congo jungle... They would still have to travel quite a distance, considering Donkey Kong Island would be, you know, somewhere remote, even if it was on the same Earth. Right. So it's probably quicker just to use a warp pipe and and (laughs) cross the dimensional barrier. But okay, okay, okay. So let's just just pretend, though, that Yoshi's Island DS steamrolled the concept of them being in separate dimensions. Let's say, looking at it at face value, it's suggesting that Donkey Kong exists on the same world as Mario, which is a completely valid interpretation, may I throw in. But So here's where the story would stand thus far. Mario and Luigi are not Italian. They're just Italian-accented people with Italian-adjacent names who are born on the Mushroom Earth and raised in a Mushroom Kingdom. Everything has always happened on the Mushroom Earth, Maybe even the Donkey Kong Country games. And, perhaps, by extension, Banjo-Kazooie and Conquer. Hey, after all, isn't Peach's Castle visible from Showdown Town and Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts? That's true, that's very true. Granted, Showdown Town is another question entirely. Showdown Town might be, <laughs> uh, like, a, an outside of the dimension, like hub station for all video games and so yes you can see peach's castle from it because it is sort of this nexus between worlds but anyway uh so if we were to accept this at face value this very simplified take that it's always taken place on the mushroom earth including donkey kong including the dku then instead of new york city it's actually New Donk City. So, of course, Super Mario Odyssey threw in its its latest permutation of the setting for the arcade Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong 94. 
by introducing New Donk City in the Metro Kingdom. Now, Dustin, this is kind of frustrating for me, being such a Donkey Kong lore aficionado, that nobody remembers Big Ape City now. And everybody thinks New Donk City is so clever and so (laughs) creative. And I'm like... They broke new ground. Rare did it first in 1995. Big Ape City. I love Big Ape City. Yeah. Heil, I gotta be perfectly honest with you. I very much prefer New Donk City. I don't give even the slightest shit about Big Ape City. Oh, man. That, that, that's, that's being hyperbolic. I love Big Ape City. But, boy, I adore Mario Odyssey. And New Donk City is probably the best stage in it in my opinion anyway i i feel like it's it's a widely held opinion and i feel like right. new, new donk city is considered the highlight of the game by large like yeah it's clear because it was the focus of nintendo's advertising campaign and marketing push that they knew what they had with new donk city they knew it was so unique to a mario game in and of itself but it was just so clever and fun that they really just ran with it everywhere when that game came out. And so much so that it feels like it should be the natural endpoint of the game. Like, it feels like after that, it's like, oh yeah, wait, New Donk City is just like in the middle of the game? What? Uh, they they do a good job of building up to it at least, because um, at one point in the game, you think you're going to be heading there, but then something else happens and you end up uh, in another area of the game but uh-huh. they knew that that is the part of the game that people were looking forward to getting to they they knew people were getting wet and horny <laughs> for new donk city yeah they were getting wet and horny for the radley sign <laughs> misspelled radley sign <laughs> that extra e stands for e. <laughs> that's what i've been saying it's for your pleasure it's more bang for your buck Radley's coiled for your pleasure. <laughs> Look, New Donk City is what it is. I think it's fun as hell, I, I will admit. And as much as it might rankle me uh, that, that Big Ape City has kind of been forgotten about when I adore Donkey Kong Land and... I I, I hate when arcane and obscure lore is kind of paved over and the younger people have no idea that that it ever existed in the first place but it's you know part of the pain of getting old dustin it's part of the pain of becoming a donkey kong daddy you know eventually (laughs) you will be old and out of touch and you've you know you can either get angry about it and become the cranky kong or you can uh, age gracefully and be the cranky Kong that people want to fuck. <laughs> that is, I hope that's the one we see in the movie. <laughs> I hope there's like a five minute sequence of him drinking diet soda shirtless. <laughs> Condensation from the uh, can dribbling down his rock hard chest. I'd see it twice. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, New Dog City seems to firmly put its foot now i I might add that they never come out and say new donk city is where mario fought donkey kong back in the day 
Right. They only they hint at it pretty strongly, but they never like definitively say, oh, this is the exact spot where all this canonically happened so long ago. They they mainly say stuff like, oh, this festival was put together honoring the city's history and stuff like that. Stuff that they purposefully leave it vague, even though it's strongly hinting at that being the case. There's enough wiggle room that if you really wanted to make a case to split up New Donk City from Big Ape City and Big City, you could. And, and we'll get into how that's possible towards the end of the episode. But I do understand the implication, Dustin. I do understand what they are going for and what most people will walk away assuming. Now, it doesn't really work with what Donkey Kong canon laid down. Like, it doesn't really work because it's in the Metro Kingdom and it's it's on a continent and it's nowhere near an island. Uh, well, whatever, you know. Um, but <laughs> if we are supposed to take it at face value, then I would say then, yeah, New Donk City is the same place as Big Ape City. And that would definitely apply imply that Donkey Kong Island is in the same world as Super Mario Odyssey. Thus, it all takes place on the same globe. Now, just want to quickly point out that nowhere on any globe, on any map presented for Super Mario Odyssey, is Donkey Kong Island portrayed anywhere in the ocean. I know we we talked about this before we did the episode, that uh, Isle Delfino is actually accounted for, which is interesting. But mm-hmm. uh, Donkey Kong Island is not in there at all. So they didn't, like, complete... There, there's a lot of fear and a lot of hope for some, depending on where you fall on this debate. Before Super Mario Odyssey came out, this would be the game to defend, definitively state that Donkey Kong Island is part of the same world as the Mushroom Kingdom and everything else. Did not do that. Actually, actually avoided that, which is surprising. I was surprised. I was like, wow. That was one bullet I did not expect to dodge. I... <laughs> yeah, they just uh, they just opened up a whole other can of worms with that eight bit Donkey Kong. Yeah, yeah, but what, what, whatever, whatever. <laughs> Time enough for that. Time enough for that later. So you think that's where the story ends? You think that's where the episode would end, right? Like, okay, you know, us who grew up thinking Mario and Luigi were were from New York, you know, native New Yorkers and fell into this dimensional gateway Alice style. We just we just had to accept that uh that's not what Nintendo ended up going with and and we got something a lot more simpler and maybe a little bit less whimsical and charming, but it is what it is and uh we all had to accept it. Then Davide Soliani came along. And said, nah. Uh, (laughs) So, Davide, uh, of course, the creative auteur behind the Mario Plus Rabbids games, Kingdom Battle, and the brand new Sparks of Hope, which, by the way, so far does not seem to be DKU, and so far seems to be uh, remaining not DKU, even through its DLC cycles, but time will tell. Davide Soliani, of course, threw a curveball with the Donkey Kong Adventure DLC, which uh, so far is the biggest original Donkey Kong Adventure on the Nintendo Switch, by uh, stating pretty definitively that Donkey Kong Island is in a separate dimension from 
the Mushroom Kingdom. Um, as as Donkey Kong Adventure begins, there's the whole sequence where we we start in the Mushroom Kingdom. Uh, the whole the whole deal with Rabbit Kong and Rabbit Peach and Beepo and everything they they get sucked through the the washing machine again and and there's a a big kerfluffle and then we get the little card that says somewhere in another dimension and then we we cut to the Donkey Kong portion of it and Courtney and I discussed this on our belated first impressions two parter earlier this season as well there there is even people like parsing this out this seems cut and dry to me but there are people who argue uh, either that this is not representative of donkey kong island that this is not donkey kong island this is a separate dimension entirely and donkey kong just so happens to be on it or it's not the real (laughs) it's not the real donkey kong island it's a facsimile created by what happened in the genius girl's bedroom it's not the real Mushroom Kingdom. They're not the real characters. They're, they're imitation Gollum, Golem-style Mario and Donkey Kongs. And it, it just, it's just the old Super Smash Brothers. They're just toys brought to life. They're just trophies brought to life. They're not the real character argument that... I hate that. I, I it's, it's not very fun, is it? And I know no. I'm probably misinterpreting a lot of people's arguments against this. Because like I said, everybody can pull out an argument to dispel any notion that we're bringing up on this episode. Either pro-multiversal travel or against the multiversal travel. Somebody will come along and say, nope, actually, in this source, it says this. Therefore, you're wrong. We could go back and forth for probably a few weeks if we really wanted to on this. But I bring this up yet again because just a couple of days ago, Davide Soliani was asked a question on the the the, the Elon Musk ego machine where he was, was asked a question about banana birds, of all things. <laughs> uh, did you see this tweet, Dustin? Oh, I saw this tr- tweet. How could I not? It was both a tweet and a treat. <laughs> yeah. Tweet or treat. So, so, yeah, it was from November 2nd. Uh, the Twitter user Momo Mopi1. Mo, That's a Mo, good name. Momo Mopi1. Is that a Pokemon, Dustin? I wish. Momo Mopi, are you kidding? I would I, use that. I don't know anymore. Momo Mopi1 evolves into Momo Mopi2. <laughs> it's very simple. <laughs> In, the, in these uh, complex times, I prefer my Pokemon to have very simple evolutionary cycles. <laughs> They're relatable. Momomopi1 asked, or, or reached out to Davide and said, Hello, I have a little question. Do you think the Sparks would get along with the Banana Birds? What a question. I, I love that this is the question being asked. Any question that involves the Banana Birds is high on my list. Yeah, I, I just like, yeah, you know the Sparks from Sparks of Hope? I wonder how they would get along chemistry-wise with the Banana Birds. Yeah, that's like a Heil thought. <laughs> it's not even a, it, it's even like a, a beyond a Heil thought. Because, okay, I don't know where Momomopi 1 lives. But it was tweeted my time at 4.26 a.m. So I like to think Momomopi <laughs> 1 <laughs> is an East Coaster like me and just woke up in a cold sweat. 
Oh, would the sparks get along with the banana birds? I must know. <laughs> I need to know the answer to this right now. Like, not even two hours later, Davide replied and said, They are in two different universes. Donkey Kong and Mario plus Rabbits. Apart that, why not? Holy shit. So I think that's a more definitive statement from Davide as far as his intentions go for that opening sequence from Donkey Kong Adventure. He's basically stating Donkey Kong is in a separate universe. Yeah, and that seems like something that, like, I don't know if he would have to get the okay from Nintendo to say or imply, but that seems like something you can't just throw out there. I mean, it might be who's paying attention, who the fuck cares. Yeah, that's true. I, I'm a, I'm a fun-loving Italian man who hangs out with Grant Kirkhope. Nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna come down on me on this. Nobody's paying attention to what I say. <laughs> it, it is weird though to have somebody working on a Nintendo property like this with with so much autonomy online because usually Nintendo creators are hidden away. You don't really have any access to them aside from really controlled media events. So it, it is weird for Davide to just be strolling along and being like, nope, separate universes. Later. <laughs> See you later. Solve that mystery. You didn't have to go to popular mechanics to get that. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I think... Look, here's my impression, Dustin, on what's okay. happening here. I think this is actually not just Davide going rogue. I think this is actually the general feeling in Nintendo, especially starting around, ironically, 2017, uh, around the time of Super Mario Odyssey, because Donkey Kong was moved into its separate division, a, a separate, like, uh, think tank within Nintendo, he is separate from Mario again. And, you know, you Mm -hmm. have the Donkey Kong licensing brand, which is completely separate from Mario. And there's some confusion on this, by the way. This was asked uh, on Twitter because uh, the 2022 Mario calendar has Donkey Kong as the pinup girl for November. And the question is, well, I thought they were separate brands how is donkey kong still on mario calendars if you license the mario brand you still get some donkey kong assets if they relate back to mario so oftentimes donkey and diddy will be included in the mario licensing brand however there is a separate donkey kong brand you can license and that does not include the mario characters but includes characters not in the mario package like cranky and k roll and funky what have you so our our good friend rambi our great friend rambi who we uh did a uh, character witness for earlier this season man this has been a great season so far dustin we just it has a a lot of callbacks in this episode even we've been we've been knocking them out of the park we've been knocking them out of the stadium that we went through the warpipe mushroom village to play baseball in with our good (laughs) friend mario all season long i feel like this might be the best podcast now that i think about it this might be the best thing ever created outside of donkey kong yeah maybe (laughs) (laughs) oh no i took it too far (laughs) 
<laughs> anyway, so uh, I think I think internally they are thinking in these terms now, whether or not they actually put as much thought power into it as Davide did or not. I don't know, but I, I do think that they are thinking they are separate universes. You saw that as much when they announced the Super Mario Brothers movie and they announced the cast and Miyamoto like said, even though it's a Mario movie, Donkey Kong's going to make an appearance, any Seth Rogen. That that was very <laughs> pointed in a way that traditionally they have they have kind of played fast and loose with since the at least the days of the buyout, if not a few years before there. They are treating Mario and Donkey Kong as very different things. You saw that with the announcement of the Donkey Kong Country section of Super Nintendo World, where they were treating them as separate brands. And so I think going forward, like they may never get into the cosmic specifics of how it all works. Like they may not specifically say, yes, and that warp pipe in Mushroom Village, why that's how they interact and and when it's necessary, <laughs> they will kind of just be portrayed as ex- coexisting in the same sphere. But I think by and large, they're being treated like different universes that just sometimes cross over and just squint your eyes and don't worry about how it actually works. Right. That is probably the best way to go about it. Just turn a blind eye. Just say, oh, there's Mario and Donkey Kong in the same room. How about that? Yeah, and then with the Super Mario Brothers movie teaser that we saw, it does seem clear they are going back to a stranger in a strange land portrayal. Whether or not that is Mario actually being from New York. Like I said, it sounded like Chris Pratt was going for a little bit of a New York accent. Uh, a little bit there, as Jeff said. He, put a little he puts ing- a little English Put on a little it. English on it, which... Yeah, sure, sure, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I I think I like we we don't know and I could be completely wrong on this because it could have just been a deceptive teaser trailer designed to kind of coax the audience into the journey. But just from a screenwriting 101 perspective from this Emmy winner, wink, teeth gleam. <laughs> that's how you would do it. That's how you would write a compelling Mario movie. I, I think yeah. is is to do the Stranger in a Strange Land thing. It's just basic shit, especially for a kids movie that also you want to pull in families and invest the parents enough to sit there for ninety minutes. So yeah, I, I think that that's where they're going to go for that. I might eat my words, but at least sitting here in early November two thousand twenty two, before we know anything else about the movie officially. It seems to be the direction they're headed. And again, that's not going to necessarily determine canon from Nintendo. This movie probably won't be canon, but it will do a great deal at informing the next generation of Nintendo fans their own perceptions about Mario, just like the Super Show did for my generation. Wouldn't it be crazy if it, if in the movie they decide... Oh, yeah, Mario and Donkey Kong, they're both in our universe, but they're aliens from outer space. Yeah, that would be crazy, man. (laughs) Really throw you for a loop on that one. Anyway, so I guess wrapping everything up as best we can from our vantage point in time, can you reconcile all of this, all of what we talked about on this episode Can you pull it together and create one cohesive backstory that pleases everyone? Well, no, you can't. Not not everybody will be pleased. But this is something that I brought up during the Conversation Mini I did with Jeff about the teaser trailer. 
So here is my completely fanon take on how it could all work. Are you are you ready, Dustin? Oh, I'm ready. The goosebumps on my arms have have uh, erected. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm erecting <laughs> something out there tonight. Thank you. Here is the way I have understood. And I, actually, this is very close to what I pieced together. I think back in 2001 when Melee came out, I was like, you know what? I need to finally make sense. Because Melee was the first cameo game to explicitly reference the events of Yoshi's Island. So I was like, you know what? I've got to make this work now with Donkey Kong. All right, I'm going to sit down and bang it out. And so he, here, here's the way I kind of take things. And this is also accounting for the... 21 years of history that came after Melee. Mm -hmm. The events of the Yoshi's Island games take place, as depicted, and Mario is always returned home to his parents in the Mushroom Kingdom. Yes, Mario was born on Mushroom Earth. But at some point, the threat of Bowser's forces, who, again, believe him to be this prophesized messiah who will overthrow Bowser in the future, or maybe... Uh, the threat of Wario, who hates Mario and has taken a, a creepy obsession towards him. Something, maybe the combined threat for coming from all sides, causes Mario's birth parents to hide Mario and Luigi's identities and leave them with an Italian-American family in New York City. Mario and Luigi then have a relatively normal Earth upbringing, while an early 20-something Mario and his girlfriend Pauline, maybe with their friend Stanley, take a trip to the rare archipelago and stumble across Big Ape City, raising the fury of young Cranky Kong. After Donkey Kong Jr. rescues his dad, Mario returns home to New York, and maybe Pauline breaks it off with him after learning what he did to Donkey Kong. Mario and his brother then get a job working for Foreman Spike as part of the wrecking crew until they finish plumbing school and then take the job scene in the Mario Brothers arcade game. From there, Mario and Luigi stumble back into the Mushroom Kingdom through the same unstable portal they came into when they were children. And this is where they gradually learn their true destiny as residents of the Mushroom Kingdom. And they reclaim their birthright as the star children saviors of the Mushroom Kingdom. Now, but at a certain point, travel between the two dimensions becomes relatively easy when a trans-dimensional warp pipe is finally instituted in Mushroom Village. It's at this point that a guilt-written Mario, having done plenty of soul-searching and maturing since coming to the Mushroom Kingdom, decides to track down Donkey Kong Jr. and apologize to him for what he did to his family so long ago. Even bringing him back to the Mushroom Kingdom to go-kart race, you know, as a gesture of goodwill and what have you. That's character growth. That's such good character growth. I, I, I really embraces the character of Mario in my eyes. You know, I always he has humility to him. Yeah, I always complain that he's just one note Mickey Mouse character. He's he's nuanced. He's layered. Yeah, exactly. It, it makes you uh, it makes you want to see him become a better person. It actually inspires me to become a better person. <laughs> 
And Mario eventually becomes a celebrity on both sides of the warp pipe. And travels frequently between the realms, as seen in games like Mario is Missing, Mario's Time Machine, and of course, Mario Kart Tour. Travel is now so easy that they can race in Berlin one day and race at Peach's Castle the next. Meanwhile, Pauline, who has become a Kong enthusiast since her close and personal encounter with young Cranky back in the day, founds new Donk City in the Metro Kingdom and serves as mayor as a tribute to all Kong kind in the Mushroom Kingdom. Love it. Because, yeah, new Donk City would imply that there was once a Donk City. And maybe the Donk City it's referring to is Big Ape City, the original Donk City. I could totally see that. You've opened my eyes. Yes, this is kind of blindly ignoring the intended implication of New Donk City. But at the same time, New Donk City sort of ignored Big Ape City. And Big Ape City came first and was in a Donkey Kong game. And I'm a Donkey Kong fan, so fuck it! (laughs) Now, of course, there will be others that will argue my fan intake of this. Because they will say, well, Mushroom Earth can still have much of the same vague history and landmarks of our Earth. After all, Mario Kart Tour, you know, the the Los Angeles and the Vancouver and the Tokyo presented therein, they they do match like the the rough layouts of our cities, but they all have Mario characters running around in them. What what if they're just cartoony Mario Earth versions of those cities? I'm like, yeah, that's one take on it. But again, that's the thing. I I I th- I think no matter where you fall on this argument, you're going to find a way to support your argument because Nintendo has kept it so vague on purpose. And, right, you know, I don't know. I like Personally, I think it's way too complicated if we're to accept like a cartoon Mario version of LA coexisting alongside everything else we've seen in games like Super Mario Odyssey and, you know, what have you. Right. But, there's a there's a kingdom where there's giant living dinosaurs that you can, can take control of with hats, but there's also a Los Angeles. Yeah, like it, it works if you were to accept the Rare Archipelago, because n- not many people know the Rare Archipelago exists. So there's rumors and hearsay, but it's like sailor legend. It's not really any verified fact. It becomes something whispered about, like... El Dorado or Atlantis, which, by the way, Atlantis also exists in a rare archipelago, and El Dorado <laughs> was going to exist in Diddy Kong Pilot. That's so crazy to think about. But look, it, this doesn't really matter because, like I said, there's never going to be a clear answer on any of this. There's not. The story will keep changing and it will adapt for the times and, most importantly, for the needs of any given game that Nintendo is working on. Nintendo themselves don't care about continuity and lore, especially when it comes to Mario and Donkey Kong, to the extent that we do. And yes, it's true that people who have worked on the games over the years have cared about this stuff, like Davide Soliani, or people at Rare when they were devising Donkey Kong's world. Sure, but other people at Rare didn't care about this. So... I think Donkey Kong continuity has 
by itself and when atta- attached to the greater shared rare universe it exists with what we call the DKU, it's been remarkably consistent for the past 28 years. I mean, by sheer accident, it has been remarkably consistent, but it has been consistent. It's only when you factor in the shared heritage of Mario and Mario's relationship with Donkey Kong that it always becomes a little bit murkier and a little bit more migraine-inducing. But it can still work if you really want it to work. And if you don't like our reasoning and want to view DK Island as part of the Mushroom World, guess what? That can still work too. It's whatever brings you the greatest joy. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think it's even more beautiful when you don't leave angry comments and when you don't send me angry DMs. I would really like that. (laughs) Wow, we only talked about diarrhea once this episode. This has been a File 2 production. Terrico.